All right, everyone, welcome to the pod. We're back and we're joined with a brand new guest, Danny Blue. Welcome, Danny. Thank you. Is this your first podcast? Uh, It's not. Okay. I have participated on a number of podcasts. Okay. Well, is this your first Zoom podcast? Uh, you can I think I've done a Zoom podcast as well. However, <laughs> this is my first time on the Do Good Feel Good podcast. Right, so it's going to be a very fun experience for all of us. Yeah. Now, everyone out there who's listening and wondering who is this Danny guy? He is actually the founder of a very cool nonprofit organization. It's a social enterprise. Is it also so? Is it a nonprofit though? No, actually, there's a distinguished. Um, there's the way you distinguish a social enterprise from a nonprofit is we are actually a for-profit. We just utilize our profits towards social impact. So social enterprise companies like Tom Shoes, Patagonia, um, still a for-profit model, but um, working in the you know impact space. Awesome. Okay, so we're already learning, everyone. This is a social enterprise with a mission of protecting 1 million acres of endangered rainforest while empowering indigenous artisans to rise out of poverty. He is an entrepreneur, a conservationist, a spiritual seeker, an animal lover, and a twin dad. That sounds like quite a lot. Yeah, if I was just a twin dad and nothing else, it would be plenty. Um, I have my, I have uh, Bodhi and Arya, my my son and daughter, they're actually turning six. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah. How has the COVID experience been with two, t- with twins? It was crazy. Last year, um, when, with the school and everything, schools shutting down and we were doing full-time, uh, you know, all the jobs and, and kids at home full-time. It was a lot. Yeah. I, I have so much more respect and appreciation for all the parents doing all the things these days. Yeah, definitely. Kids back in school or back in yeah, pre-K? There's a, like a hybrid situation going on now. So, um, you know, that they're kind of part-time. Cool. Yeah. So do you, first of all, can you just tell us a little bit more about what OMA is? Yeah. So high level is basically... We work with indigenous artisans in uh, in Ecuador, and uh, we make bracelets. We make we make handmade uh, organic bracelets. Um, we have kind of I like to think a first of its kind concept for a bracelet in that all of the materials we use are sustainably sourced organic materials from the Amazon. Um, so the entire bracelet is biodegradable. Uh, the packaging that we use is a zero waste compostable seed paper. Um, so the entire uh, product itself is really meant to be as sustainable and eco-friendly as well. Um, but, you know, the real, the, the, the heart of the brand of the, of the mission is that we're creating, you know, reliable work for our indigenous artists and partners um, who like oftentimes they just have no no work and no other way to make money so these types of opportunities are helping them you know feed their families and pay their bills 
and um, and we also donate a portion of every bracelet sold to a couple organizations that are doing really great work to protect the rainforest and to reforest it in areas where it's already been destroyed. Can you hear me now? I can hear. You. Okay. <laughs> um, that's that's very cool. How did you get into this line of work? Is this similar to your career path? Because it you no. just started it a few years ago. Yeah, not at all. I was in. I was actually doing the the corporate grind thing. I was in um, corporate America doing business account sales for Verizon Wireless for about five years. Um, you know, suit and tie, knocking on doors of businesses, climbing the corporate ladder. I, I was doing really well too. You know, I had this nice little bachelor pad a block from the beach in Venice, and I had a savings account and 401k and all that stuff. And um, I just, there was something, I don't, I, to this day, I don't know what it was. I, there wasn't like a specific calling that was like, I love the rainforest so much. I'm, I need to go leave this soul sucking job and go do what I was born to do. All it was, was just a, a, a knowing that I was not in the right place. Um, and so I left and I left at like the height of my, my job there, you know, where I was actually not even doing that much. So I was actually making the most money I'd ever made without having to do much work for it. Um, but just something, you know, there was something missing. So that was the start. That was kind of like the, the pull to, to leave where I was at. And then from there, it actually took a, a few years bouncing around a couple things, figuring stuff out. But it was really when um, I was already participating as a, as a monthly donor to this organization called Rainforest Trust. And they're one of the highest rated organizations that does this work to protect the rainforest. And, um, and when I realized that, you know, some of the projects they were working on that you could purchase and protect an acre of land for as little as a couple dollars, that was kind of like the light bulb moment, I guess it was like, you could work that margin, that couple dollars into um, a product that, uh, that could give back in the same way that Tom's has built, you know, one for one model. So the one for one with them is you buy a pair of shoes, you give a pair of shoes. So with this, it could be, wow, whatever you sold, that person could, in purchasing that, protect an entire acre of rainforest. Like, wow, that's crazy. And that was like this, that was the start of how everything started kind of moving in this direction. It, it's been evolving ever since. I definitely did not come up with all the elements of what it is today right out of the gates. Um, I've even been through a, a rebranding since. There was a different name, different concept. Um, but it was really after having a chance to go down to Peru and Ecuador and, and connect in with some of these indigenous communities and recognize it one of the biggest missing pieces in this whole thing is not just donating a portion of the proceeds to save the rainforest, but it's in empowering these indigenous artisans with jobs. That in itself is really like exponentially helping um, to, to conserve these, um, these ecosystems as well. Um, so yeah, it's been like a, a slow and steady evolution. I don't have the like, you know, I knew that I was born to do this thing story embedded. And I always like to think that that's a good thing because I feel like there's so many people out there that are like, wow, this person's doing such amazing stuff. And they're just, they just innately have this gift to do these things. Um, but 
it's not really the case most times, you know, a lot of times you just have an idea that that feels aligned with something that you'd like to create and you just you go after it and you learn along the way. Well, that is very inspiring. I wrote down a lot of questions. Um, eventually, you're going to have to come back and tell us how we make money without doing a lot of work. So that can be like a, a, a different episode because I know there's some people that want to do that too. I'm just kidding. He is laughing for everyone back home. You can't hear it, but it's happening. Um, well, I mean, you can, yeah, in a, in a, in a, in a way, you just have to sign a piece of your soul away. So if your soul isn't that valuable to you, um, you know, then that, that I'm sure is an option in plenty of realms. But I think that many people are starting to realize, especially after this last year, that um, there's, there's much more to life than just, you know, making money without doing anything. Definitely. Uh, yeah. And the soul is as a priceless thing, you guys, you don't want to sell it. Um, I have, so you went to Peru and Ecuador and you met with these like indigenous tribes. Did you go there with the purpose of starting, trying to start your own business or did you just like want to learn more about the organization and area you were supporting? Yeah, that was after I had already been working on the, the company, the project for a while at that point. I think, um, I think by the time I went down there, I did actually already have the intention to start incorporating a little bit more of like um, an inclusive type of offering um, into whatever it was that I was selling. I still wasn't sure exactly how, I, I was definitely looking for some artisans that could make bracelets and whatnot. Um, but yeah, it was, it was with the intention to explore that channel, but I don't think I fully realized, you know, the the extent of what that would represent it's just very interesting to hear someone come from the corporate world and then not even have like a specific passion or know what they wanted to do but to figure it all out and like watch it evolve I think that would be a really cool process yeah I you know the the the, the cliche thing but like the most true part of this as with everything is you know is surrender you know, surrendering into the process of, of not needing to know how everything is going to look. I mean, that's such a huge part of the journey is like, you know, move in the direction you're, you're wanting to head without having to like, be confident that you know what your like specific milestones are going to be at every point to let you know that you're in the right place. It, a lot of times these things start to open up simply from you putting effort into the the momentum of moving in that direction so there's been a lot of that that I've had to go through because I'm I'm pretty I have like a lot of controlling tendencies especially yeah. when it comes to this you know so letting go of control is a big big piece of it mm -hmm. okay well that's a good segue into one of my other questions which is how many employees are working for you at like the like corporate level it's not corporate but at yeah. your level um as many as are on the screen right now really yeah so it's just me um still just me I do have some people that are helping uh I have some people that are helping run some ads um and I do have some you know go-to's for some of the creative stuff I had um, an amazing group help me build the website so I've got I've got other people that are helping for sure um but as far as you know 
yeah, the corporate structure. It's uh, I'm still a solopreneur at this point. And it's funny because sometimes when we're running ads, you know, we'll get people that comment that are like, I bet you like all the people in this organization are you know, <laughs> making six figures and uh, the artisans uh, are probably being e exploited. And, you know, th so this is actually one of the biggest challenges with starting a purpose-driven brand right now. You have to have very tough skin. Um, if you have integrity and you have passion for what it is that you're doing, um, that's all that really matters, you know? Um, but you have to have tough skin because there's a lot of, there's a lot of scams and shady stuff going on out there. So there are a lot of people that just don't trust. And no matter what you say, there's a lot of people that will not trust you. Um, I intentionally chose an organization to work with for this project that is vetted by the World Fair Trade Organization. Um, even though I knew that I, I wanted to create a supply chain that was as fair and equitable as possible for artisans, still having that like extra layer of like ensuring that there are um, there are other people involved in like making sure that those things are happening just adds a little bit more credibility. But even with that, you know, there's still people that are like, it doesn't mean anything. And, you know, and so I always think it's funny when people are like, how many people are in your organization that are getting rich? And, you know, <laughs> meanwhile, um, you know, it's just me trying to <laughs> trying to get this thing off the ground and having, you know, expense, like the majority of my savings to do it. And uh, so. Okay. I feel like every time you talk, I have like 30 more questions and I don't know like what order to ask them in. So who took the pictures and who designed your website? So I'm glad that you touched on the creative parts. Cause I think like when people start their own business, I think one of the most daunting tasks is probably just trying to find their like creative brand. And if you're doing this on your own, how are you, oh, this might sound stupid, but how are you really getting these photos? And like on your Instagram, do you have people in Peru and Ecuador who are? Well, which photos in particular? Well, I mean, originally it was just the photos on your website um, yeah. that are like just made up, making up your website. I'm, 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 uh, I'm trying to remember which, what, like all the different content we have on the website, but um, you know, there's like on our website, we do have at the bottom of the main page, there's like an Instagram yeah. kind of thing. Some of that is just, you know, content um, that we've reposted uh, from other stuff on it. Those other like lifestyle -y stuff, but anything yeah. that's directly related to the brand, like it's people wearing, uh, wearing the bracelet or um, the artisans. I mean, like people, I think myself included, a lot of times really overthink the process of like professional photography and all the things. I will say that I guess it was a good move on my part. I started learning uh, Adobe Illustrator uh, <laughs> years ago, like just for fun, not like yeah. taking courses, just like I wanted to have it. Cause like I said, I'm such a control freak that like somebody would do a logo and I'm like, ah, I wanna kind of mess around with it myself and just see and add shapes. And so I just started learning how to, how to do some of the design stuff. So, um, and then there's Canva now, which makes it so yeah. easy anybody to do like really any kind of design um but over and beyond the stuff that i do on my own with just you know if you have any of the newer iphones that have um you know the portrait mode feature and then camera plus has like a good filter that um can darken things up um 
you can do almost everything on your own. I did just find there's a company called Suna, S-O-O-N-A, um, that I sent some of my products to to get professional photography done. I think they have a couple locations. Um, I was really impressed with them. It wasn't super expensive. And I think I paid like $29 or $39 a photo. And they're like professional quality um, actually, I don't even think I've put any of them up on my website yet. I, think I've always stuff. I haven't even used any of them. Um, but uh, yeah, any of the stuff that you see, you know, when I went to Ecuador, I just took my phone with me and I was like, I'm going to take as many pictures as possible. Um, yeah. yeah so. This is cool. And then I see you have just like influencers are just taking pictures and that can serve as like a lot of your marketing because you can just repost that and do like they're doing the work for you there totally yeah you can you can get a lot of really great content by um a lot of times just offering free product um you know the, the influencer space is definitely not one that i would say i'm an expert in because i haven't really I haven't had as much success with, with it as I've wanted. So I've kind of pulled back until I can make sure to do it in the right way. But I do have quite a few people that have been really just happy and excited to just share uh, or just not share and just take pictures in exchange for, you know, some free product. Um, so it depends on the, the level of the influencer. You know, I think a lot of, so once you hit a certain tier, a lot of influencers, you know, want to get paid something. Yeah what they're doing especially if they're sharing it i um work for habitat for humanity and we were we were doing a campaign we were kicking off our advocacy campaign our first national advocacy campaign and some of the influencers that we reached out to wanted like twenty thousand dollars for a tweet so it's just crazy yeah. how much influencers can make from one tweet it is crazy and <laughs> i would say for anybody especially that's just getting started out um you know, there's no need to, to, to focus on those, those influencers, you know, once you, they hit a certain point and that's what they're used to getting paid, then that's fine. Um, and I think that if there's an alignment with your mission and your brand and what it is that you're trying to do, um, then, then it'll resonate. I have one girl who she's been, you know, we've been working together since the beginning and she's amazing. Um, and, um, you know, I, I pay her to, to actually do photography. She does professional photography, so she'll go out and do photo shoots. Um, but then, you know, she'll just share stuff on social media without asking to be paid for it. So, you know, I'll send her when we do new products and stuff. I'll just send some free products. And, you know, it's I think that the, down, the flip side to the whole influencer conversation is that they're so used to just being looked at as as commodities by yeah. brands and it's like they're still real people you know these are people who like care and if you want them to resonate with your brand and represent it you have to treat them as if they're kind of an extension of your brand definitely so. you were starting this organization you obviously had to do a lot of research into like the organizations that you wanted to support but also how to be in a social entrepreneur company like how is is a social entrepreneur is it a social entrepreneurship uh, or you mean like a, uh, yeah, I guess you could call it a social entrepreneur. Social, social enterprise. Social enterprise is the, 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 the kind of the structure of the business. Kind of. So is it, does it have like the same bylaws as a for-profit company, a social entrepreneurship? Is there any like thing special that you have to do to be classified as that? No, not at all. Um, it's, it's a, 
it's a classification that it's interesting that you say that though, because there probably should be um, just for the sake of, um, you know, um, like integrity with, with companies that say they're a social enterprise. We plant a tree for every product sold. And it's like, you know, well, do they, do you, how do we know? So it's like, yeah. I think anybody can call themselves a social enterprise if they're working in a give back kind of capacity for, for an impact project. Um, but yeah, there's nothing that's really required. Now there is something called a B Corp, um, which is kind of one of the highest levels of like certification that you can get in that space. So if you're a social enterprise, um, to have a B Corp status um, actually, you know, can provide a little bit more transparency for that because you have to go through a, a more rigorous process of like understanding, you know, the, the whole supply chain and all the stuff. So a B Corp would be something that would be like the social enterprise of, you know, the business world. This is a question that you may not be able to answer, but how can you guarantee that the acres that are being planted or replanted are actually going to stay protected? And are they protected by the countries? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I can't, you know, there's no way to really know for sure. Um, the best, the best that I think, you know, you can do is you also kind of somewhat asked this earlier, but so within the same kind of question, you know, how do you kind of find the organization that you want to work with? So I, like I said, I was already supporting this organization, Rainforest Trust, and I initially found them because I wanted to support somebody that was helping to save the rainforest. I just became passionate about it. I really wanted to, to do my part. And Charity Navigator is a site, I'm sure you're familiar with them, um, where it they vet, you know, it's a third party organization that vets all the different charities out there for transparency, efficiency with their donations, you know, um, all the things, you know, they get graded on a bunch of different metrics. And Rainforest Trust was always one of the highest rated organizations that is working to protect rainforests right now. So, um, so I chose them to support personally. So then obviously it was a no brainer for the business. That was why I, I started the business because I wanted to continue supporting this organization um, you know, for the business itself. So, um, so the way that they work is they go into these different areas where the land is threatened and they raise a certain amount of, of funds for like a really large plot of land. So when people hear you can buy an acre of land for $2, it doesn't necessarily mean like you can go to Peru and say, I'm going to buy, you know, I'm going to buy myself to a hundred acres for, for $2 and build on it. Um, it's more like they're, they're these multi-million acre plots of land that are kind of uh, designated to be um, purchased as like a, a private, a protected reserve. And so then they kind of incrementally raise the funds to be able to purchase that entire plot for, you know, $6 million or whatever it is. Um, from there, a big part of what they do, Rainforest Trust specifically, is they empower the local communities that live there to work to be guardians of these protected reserves. 
So the land itself is actually, I guess, put into some sort of trust that's actually owned um, by the people. I'm not entirely sure of the specifics of how it works, but it is designated to the to people within that country. Um, it's not like you own, you know, you help save an acre. You don't own that acre in yeah. that plot. You're just helping to fund it. Um, but there's, there's, they have a four tiered process. It's actually very comprehensive. And I, I probably wouldn't be able to explain it as well as like somebody just going to their site. And I think it's, so it's Rainforest Trust is who the organization is. They have a tab on their site that says our approach. And it really goes into their like four tier approach of how they, you know, they utilize some of their funds for education, uh, staffing, um, resources for these communities to work to protect them. But at the end of the day, you know, I'd be lying if I said like, yeah, it's for sure guaranteed. It's never good. You know, these crazy people in power and governments and, and quite a few of these countries are a lot of times hell bent on clearing this land for mm -hmm. economic gain. So I'd like to think that for the most part, these areas that we're working to protect are some of the safest. Um, but as with everything in life, I guess there's no no guarantee, except for death and taxes, right? <laughs> yeah, um, that was a solid answer, especially for someone who doesn't actually like work for the nonprofit. I think even if you are working for the nonprofit, no nonprofit is going to solve every issue. I mean, you're doing the best you can and they're doing the best that they can. So I just think that's like important for everyone. To yeah, remember. and then you've got like illegal loggers and stuff too. And, you know, they're coming in, they're cutting down, they're trying to make their money. And so the goal is to have these areas, like I said, staffed and protected, but you never know. Yeah. Well, I'm interested in buying a bracelet. So you have at least one new customer Please. and all the listeners out there, we're going to link to the website in our info so please go out and buy one yeah so yeah oma oma earth is uh is our website it's our instagram handle facebook and uh yeah i actually the the thing i'm working on right now currently with our artisans is actually expanding our line so you know we just have one bracelet right now it's the oma bracelet it's made from tagua which is a nut that grows on palm trees and chambira which is made from the leaves so like i said it's all natural biodegradable and now we're working on some new styles. So same kind of concept for the bracelet with some new colors. And um, the idea is to really kind of expand the line to have, you know, some more aesthetic options as well and, um, and grow up from there. I just realized um, I did this long road trip this summer. I actually went and stayed with Mike. By the way, listeners, if you listened to the last episode, Mike was on it. That's how I was introduced to Danny. Um, right. But my first step was, or my first like real stop was in Colorado and I stayed at my friend's house and one of her roommates did like a lot of research on plants in Ecuador. He, his name is like Plant Man Joe and he's like an expert on plants and he stayed with these like indigenous people for like a, maybe like six months. So maybe oh, wow. I should connect y'all because he has a lot of contacts there and he knows like a weird amount of stuff about plants. I feel like, yeah, I feel like like Joe, Plant Man Joe and I are 100% supposed to meet because that's pretty uncanny. Like, I'm yeah. sure he knows about Tagua and Chambira and all that stuff too. Yeah, that second thing that you said, he discussed that. Chambira? Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, that's Is a that plant. a plant? Yeah. Yeah, it's a leaf that grows in, in palm. I'll, um, I'll send you his episode too. It's a really good one. He's super interesting. Um, so I'll connect y'all, but really quickly before we wrap up, because I know it's getting a little bit late here. 
Uh, so how often do you get to go back to these countries? Are you planning on returning more after 2021? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's like, uh, that's, that's one of those, um, I'm at the mercy of, you know, the circumstances going on in the world right now. But at the moment, I think I'm still able to travel. So my intention was to go back to Ecuador, um, hopefully within the next month. Um, so yeah, that's the plan. Awesome. And how often were you traveling back before all this started? Um, two to three times a year. Nice. Yeah. And so is there anything, I feel like I ended up getting really into the business side of things just because I think that will be inspiring. I do. Is there anything that I didn't ask you that you'd like to share about like why you're passionate about this? I think that for anyone that doesn't understand the importance or implications of saving the rainforest, I mean, it's so much more so much far beyond like what we learned in school growing up, like they're cutting down the trees in the rainforest. And as kids were like, no, the monkeys are losing their houses, you know, but it's like, it's, it's really bad. Like we're losing over a hundred species every single day. Um, you know, the, just these, these ecosystems are super important to the overall health of the entire planet. And so it's kind of like an out of sight, out of mind thing for a lot of people doesn't seem like the first, you know, um, impact type of project that they would think that they would be really important to, to, um, to support, but it's extremely important. So I, I encourage people to kind of look into it. There's lots of information that can be found. Um, you know, rainforests, they, they provide 20% of our water, our fresh water and oxygen, you know, so much of our modern medicines, I think 25% of the ingredients in our modern medicines that we use are found in rainforests. So they're like these like ecological treasures that instead of like really truly appreciating like the importance of them, we're literally just destroying them. Um, so yeah, I mean, I could talk for a whole other episode on that, but yeah. Yeah. I, I think would say people can go to our website too. There's, there's a decent amount of information, um, on our blog and, uh, we're writing some new blog content about, um, Tagua, the material that we use for the bracelet. So people can understand the importance of that. It's actually known as eco ivory or vegetable ivory. So it actually is actively combat combating the uh, elephant ivory trade because yes. it's basically a nut that has the same you know look and feel as as elephant ivory but it's sustainable and it's regenerative so awesome i'm thinking like with the new administration and i'm really trying to not make every single episode political but i feel like with the new administration we're like opening our eyes that the rest of the world is here still and like we all are like going through this stuff together so after we beat covid we can take on rainforest restoration. Um, yeah, I think that I think that people should just really keep in mind that like I don't think that there's any, no matter what, any administration they come in and they have these promises and that promise. I think that it's up to us. I mean, that's the whole, that's the power really of what OMA is. You know, there's a lot of people that would argue that like capitalism and consumerism is not the answer. Like buying more stuff is not the answer. That's what got us into this place. But I would argue that creating a vehicle like what I've done with OMA, which is utilizing capitalism and consumerism to sell something that in itself 
is supporting these communities that just by supporting them, that in itself is gonna protect these areas, take a portion of the profit, profits and put it even more into protecting that. Um, so recognizing that it's like letting people know that it's we have the power to support organizations like, like this one or create something um, to, to, to kind of take the power into our own hands. Like we don't have to just sit around and wait for, you know, our, our politicians to make the decisions that are gonna, you know, be necessary for change. Like we can, we can just basically declare that we're not going to sit around and wait for that to happen and start making changes and doing things that can, you know, really expedite that. I totally agree. Also, like, there's no reason for you to have to recreate the wheel if a nonprofit or an organization is like already doing the work, like supporting them is like more efficient and probably more effective. So I think or in creating your own. I literally, there's a company called Four Ocean. They sell bracelets that help fund uh, ocean cleanup. Every bracelet sells, uh, they sell, you know, pound of trash comes out of the ocean. That, that was, that they were a big inspiration for uh, me moving in this direction with OMA. So again, even in those things, you, you said you don't uh, need to reinvent the wheel. It's exactly right. You know, a lot of times people are like, ah, oh, somebody's already done that. Oh, it's too similar. Oh, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can find a business model that's been proven out and, you know, create your own, your own thing with it. And, you know, again, for me, it's always like, as long as you have integrity and, you know, commitment to the cause ingrained within what you're doing it will show through i can't tell you how many times i've seen you know bracelets pop up on my facebook feed of like this bracelet plants a tree and i'm like i know that bracelet i've seen that bracelet 10 other times and other that is a made in china drop ship bracelet where people are literally just selling you know 50 cent cost bracelets for 20 dollars and planting a tree and those are get rich quick schemes so as long as you have the idea, the concept for what you want to do and like really make it more about just making money, make it more really truly about the impact that you're trying to create. Um, I, I think that there's, there'll, there'll never be, you know, um, too many of those that exist. What would you say is your life mission statement? Hmm. My life mission statement is, <laughs> couldn't you have sent me that one earlier so I could have thought of that? No, I'm just kidding. Um, this is a toughie. That's a big one. I would, if I were have to like kind of throw one out and distill it just right off the top, I would say, um, do, do more, do more of what makes you happy and let go of your attachment to the need to succeed in the way that you've been programmed to believe that success looks like. Nice, that was good. I feel like every time I ask this question, either people for some reason already have one or it's like a long, it's not, no offense. It's like kind of like long and rambling. And as they're thinking, they're like, yeah, yes, that's it. Yeah, that's totally <laughs> what was happening. I was like, there's so much to pack into this. You know, I could just say live. Yeah, you know? no, yeah. I think that was good. Um, okay, I actually only, I forgot the third question. So the other question is, what is a challenge that you have for the listeners? Like what should they do for the week besides buying your bracelet? <laughs> just buy the bracelet 
Um, no, I'm just kidding. And, and the other thing too, that also is like, if you don't want to buy the bracelet, but you want to help support the cause, you can also go to Rainforest Trust uh, website. You can also support them directly. I always encourage people to do that as well. Um, a challenge. Uh, okay. Well, so I, I don't know how many of the listeners out there know about the impact of animal agriculture on, um, on the planet and especially on deforestation in the rainforest. It's huge. It's one of the leading causes of deforestation in the rainforest. So I would say that a challenge I would pose if you're not already vegetarian or vegan um, to either to try that out for a week or if you are a meat eater that eats meat every single day, uh, try to not eat meat for one day. Have like some sort of commitment to going meat and dairy free um, for either the entire week. It's not as hard as it sounds um, or at least you know a few days of, of the week because it has an immense amount of value for the planet. Awesome. And it's so much easier to be vegan and vegetarian these days. There's like so many options. Yeah. Yeah. The challenge is now it's like, just because you're vegan doesn't mean you're being healthy. You know, there's a lot of yeah. like unhealthy processed vegan things, but you know, it, the biggest thing that if I were to be able to go back and add into my mission statement, it would have something to do with uh, releasing judgment. Cause that's a big one too. Like just let go of like judging yourself for all the stuff. Like, God, that like, is such a killer of everything. So like, you know, even with this baby steps, you know, you don't have to like go from being a meat eater to like a raw vegan. Yeah. Like, okay, I'm going to eat some like processed vegan stuff. That's probably not that healthy, but Hey, at least, you know, I didn't eat meat or right. vice versa. You know, I'm going to eat healthier, but um, you know, you just add little incremental steps in, in the direction you're going. But this episode isn't about personal health. It's about saving the planet. So it doesn't matter if you guys want to eat all the unhealthy vegan stuff that you want, as long as it's vegan. Yes, very true. Yeah. And then you just get outside <laughs> and enjoy nature for a super strenuous hike and boom, you have reconciled any guilt you may have had, you know, up until that point with the health tip. Awesome. Okay. Well, I feel like this is a good way to end the episode. We provided so much information and do you want to do your social one more time just so yeah, people so can find you? OMA, which stands for 1 million acres. Uh, so our website is OMA Earth and OMA Earth is actually all our handles as well. Super easy. So it's Instagram at OMA Earth, Facebook at OMA Earth, Pinterest and, and Twitter. Although I don't think we're really active on, on those, but that's where you can find us. I'm definitely checking out your Pinterest page. Um, cool. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Bye, world. See you, world. Thank you.